0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hit The Apex, this is Jawad here, as always, thanks for tuning in and yes, we're in the middle of the triple header, um, I totally forgot (laughs) with what's been going on this week, just, you know, uh, here and there, whatever that we were in the middle of a triple header, we're heading to Austria this weekend for the Styrian Grand Prix, don't ask me why we're having the Styrian GP before Austria itself, I think it's something to do with, um calendars and whatnot and COVID just just doesn't end (laughs) it's it's causing chaos I'm just I can't get over the fact I was reading earlier in the news that some guy who tested positive for COVID flew from Sydney to Melbourne and now possibly has spread it around Melbourne again so yeah just that's that's just frustrating especially in the middle of when me and the partner are trying to move all our stuff into the new house. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough of the personal stuff. Um, we had a great, great French Grand Prix on the weekend, actually. I think a lot of people, including myself, would have said that, oh, you know, it's we go into this one with caution after what happened a couple of years ago. And even in 2018, it wasn't that entertaining. But this one, it had what we wanted. We had overtakes. We had an incredible finish. the two championship rivals um, battling it out, I don't think it was quite, you know, battling it out but, you know, we did have an an on-track pass for the win from Max Verstappen, he started on pole and basically having to emulate what Mercedes have done the last two times there in Barcelona and in Hungary by doing a two-stop and coming back and reeling in the the race leader, which was Lewis Hamilton at that point, and pulling it off on the penultimate lap, so, you know, um, <laughs> it actually was a lot more exciting than my voice kind of suggests, I'm very, very tired after today, doing a bit of moving all day, so, um, yeah, just going to smash this one out, Um, supercars as well on the weekend was great there up in Darwin, it just makes you jealous whenever you watch racing in Darwin, because the weather is infinitely better than what it is down south here at this time of year, and you almost forget that you're in the same country when they get that sort of sunshine, so, and then moving on to Townsville next for them as well, it's just, just like, they like to rub it in, and you know, the commentators talk about how it's the event that everyone comes to, because, you know, they want to get away from the winter um, down south and on the east coast, but anyway, let's crack into the the French race, so basically, at the end of the day, Mercedes were left fuming over the strategy call, undercut by Red Bull, and I've got to say, you know, you've got to take your hat off to, to Red Bull for putting Mercedes in this situation, where I think, you know, you could start to give that criticism to Mercedes and say, oh, you know, there's cracks forming and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're getting it wrong, but also Red Bull taking the initiative and um, doing, giving a bit of their own medicine to, to them, so I think that's great, and if you've heard me ramble about championships before <laughs> in previous years, I've said, look, it's not to do with whether you've got the fastest car or not, or you've got the best driver, sometimes it comes down to those little one percent things, such as your strategy, such as your pit stops, tyre management and all that, so, you know, unless you tick all those boxes, you're not going to win the championship, and that's why we saw Ferrari a few years ago, um, with Sebastian Vettel kind of falter when it came to that part of the season, and let's be frank, you know, we are only not even midway through this season, we've been at this point before where the first half of the season, you know, we have a Sebastian Vettel or whoever leading the championship, but then after the mid-season break, we go to those flyaway races, whether we're going to do that this year or not remains to be seen because uh, of COVID, but we go to those races towards the end of the year, and that's when Mercedes and Hamilton are on their on form and they absolutely dominate. So it's looking good right now from a neutrals perspective and from a Red Bull and Max Verstappen fans perspective. But whether it's gonna be done, like you know, I said, you know, after two races, two bad races don't rule out Mercedes. Mercedes at a track where you would have thought that they would feel more at home because it's a conventional circuit they were quickest through the practice sessions, they were quickest, you know, they were quick in qualifying, they didn't get pole, but um, they were on the front row with Hamilton and then Bottas in third, um, and then just in the race they couldn't respond to what um, Red Bull did, so that's that's the interesting part, and Bottas especially, you know, you got to feel a bit for him, and I do feel sorry for what's going on with Bottas and all the talk about him being replaced by George Russell, whether it's, you know, British Grand Prix or or next year, which seems more likely. He, you know, summed it up perfectly on the radio when he was... um, talking about the why didn't you listen to me or using the f-word um you didn't listen to me or whatever about going on to the two-stop and you know from mercedes's perspective it was all about oh you know because we thought perez was going to get a penalty or something because he went off the track and didn't rejoin properly um or you know we we had a shot elsewhere or something like that they were expecting but going back to the start of the race um so the, that was your top three in qualifying, Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, going into the race, the, Max led in to turn one, but lost the rear end with a bit of that wind, that was a bit gusty um, early on in the race, and throughout the weekend really, and had to go through the runoff, Hamilton ended up leading the first stint, and it was quite professional, <laughs> it, w- it was pretty professional too, it was quite pr- processional into that um first pit stop so there I was thinking ah oh, yep you know we're going to have a bit of a <laughs> boring one here <laughs> hopefully it's over quickly but no um lap 19 we had max coming in and pit um mercedes coming in the next lap but they ended up miscalculating the uh, pit stop margin for hamilton so when hamilton came back out he actually was in fact behind Verstappen, and, you know, he was left a bit um, bem- bemused as to that, and and fuming as well, as we heard and saw through the rest of the race, um, and, you know, Max was leading all as well, but there was just a lot of tyre dramas, you know, graining and stuff like that throughout the race, so a lot of teams who thought they would be able to one-stop, even starting on the medium tyre, couldn't really do that, and, you know, they had to go for a two-stop, so lap 33 is when we saw Max and Red Bull do what Mercedes did in Barcelona say that, look, you know, we're going to pit you, put a new tyre on, and you should be fast enough to catch the other driver by the end of the race. And we did see that um, put on another set of mediums or hards, whatever. Yeah, it was, sorry, it was mediums as right in front of me there. I ignored it, um, but yeah, he was able to hunt down both the the Mercs. He got Bottas on lap forty four. Um, Bottas then was passed by Perez as well for P three. So Perez went pretty long into that first stint, and that was so Red Bull could protect Verstappen and also create another strategy option. And we know how good Perez is with tire conservation, so he was really good in that. And then by only making the one stop and doing it so late, he had fresh tyres anyway, so he was able to come back and get Bottas, so it made matters a bit worse for him, given that, you know, he hasn't finished on the podium since, I think, what, the second race, maybe, yeah, since, since Portimao, so he ended up in fourth, and also, um, decision not to pit Bottas, um, even at that point later in the race where they had lost the lead with Hamilton, they had a gap of 50 seconds or whatever over, um, Lando Norris, who was behind in fifth, so could they have pitted, you know, Bottas to set the fastest lap to get the extra point? No, they didn't, because they thought that Checo might get a penalty, which did not happen, and we didn't really hear much about that, so really, Mercedes, um, and we heard the strategist, James Vowles, who's executed so many winning strategies in the past, publicly come onto air on the radio and apologise, said that this one's on us, and just leaving the whole team scratching their heads, I mean, I've seen so many memes this week about Toto Wolf and, and tables being broken, including one today actually, which was amazing, um, the AWS graphic that everyone wants to see is the, uh, like, the tyre percentage, the tyre life percentage, but instead the legs on a um, trestle table, what uh, life is left in them after Toto Wolf just goes and bangs them, so that'd be quite funny to see um, next time, but look, you know, Mercedes, I think they're a great team, they've not done, they've not been able to do what they've done without being a good team, and you know, cracks forming, look, you know, if they end up winning the next three, four races, what are we going to say, it's back to old school boring F1 kind of thing, that's how I just feel, I just, yeah, like how, you know, I can't even find the word for it, but yeah, that's how um, just things change real quick, so not going to rule them out just yet, and I really think that at the moment, Hamilton is driving the pants of that car, it's not the best car as we've known, you know, we had those issues in pre-season testing or whatever, and you can't discount the performances he's putting in too, and I've said that time and time again, that even with a bad car, you know, even with a bad Mercedes, he's been able to still win world championships, so we'll see how that pans out. So, obviously, Max, happy with the win, Lewis, you know, will just have to lick his wounds there in second, but at least it wouldn't have blown that gap too far out of proportion. I mean, also when you look back to, um, if in Baku, for example, um, Max didn't retire from the race and was able to win, um, that would have changed a lot of things, but also it would have made his lead a bit bigger, so the fact that both title rivals didn't finish the race there in Baku meant that, you know, the points stay the same, and basically Max on this occasion has only got, I think, what, seven point advantage out of this race, so, you know, on to Austria, the double header. we'll see what happens, looking at the rest of the field then, um, McLaren, great race for them, was really impressed with how they performed, Saturday was a bit depressing, because they qualified behind the Ferraris, but you know, in the race they managed their tyres a lot better, Ricardo was able to undercut a couple of guys, and had his equal best race in terms of results um, this season, but he felt that it was his best race, because he was able to actually race some guys, he was quick, Lando's still faster there in P5 but both cars coming in P6 which is great and nice of them as well all weekend to be paying tribute to Mansur Roger of course who their um, legendary shareholder who passed away there um, on the morning of the Baku Grand Prix but they had Mansur on the side of the car then his name and then also the Caps as well this weekend or last weekend I should say were rebranded instead of McLaren to have Mansur on them so that was great for them and a good haul of points to for them in the championship to get back into third, as far as Ferrari were concerned, um, they just, you know, had the opposite of McLaren, they did not manage their tyres very well, um, Leclerc had to do a second stop, but then had no pace and finished down in 16th, Sainz in 11th, missing out there on points, so probably their worst race of the season, you got to say, but also we kind of expect that, you know, after the good speed that they showed us at the street tracks and whatnot, with the high downforce on, sorry, um low, low speed corners or whatever, that, you know, we wouldn't have expected them to do so well at a track like this, but in qualifying, they did show that pace, so it's interesting to see, but you don't win points for qualifying, after all. Aston Martin, again, benefiting from a one-stop strategy, starting on hard tyres, both the cars, they qualified up outside the top 10, Vettel again coming into ninth with some points, and Stroll 10th with a point, so they doing quite well um, with that hard tyre management, and also doing a one-stop. Fernando Alonso as well, he was satisfied with his result of P8, he qualified ninth, but um, early on in the race he suffered quite a bit from tyre deg, but then was able to capitalise later on with um, the Ferraris dropping out, so kind of made his day better than um, it could have been, because other cars had worse tyre deg, and unfortunately for Esteban Ocon, who got that contract extension with Alpine, dropped to P14, and, um, so not the best day for the French team, you had George Russell there in 12th, which is a, um, a season best result for him, so that means he moves up um, in the championship again, they're, they're still on zero points, but it's count back to who finished higher in, a, um, in any given race, so Russell's finished the highest now, so he gets back ahead of Mick Schumacher, unfortunately with Schumacher and uh, Mazepin, Hasses basically ran their own race at the back, Um, and Mick actually, you know, he crashed in Q1, and that ended up earning him a place in Q2, so career first Q2 appearance for Mick, because he crashed, (laughs) work that one out. Um, but it was great seeing battles in the midfield throughout the bulk of the race. Um, oh, sorry, the bulk of the passing came in the midfield during the race. Gasly again, excellent in P7, just silently taking those results where he can, super consistent. Um, Yuki Tsunoda again. I uh, we saw some good racing from him early on. He had to start from the pit lane because they had to change a gearbox because he kind of ruined his gearbox because his car decided to do what the commentators described as a bit of a twerk. So those pictures I'm sure everyone have seen his him spinning and then backing into the um the Tech Pro barrier across the rumple strips and just the way that the rear end of the car was violently shaking kind of looked like it was twerking. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had to start from the pit lane, he ended up making up ground early, I think by the end of the first lap he was already up to 17th, so that's pretty good from him, not that he had fast cars to pass really, but um, the fact that he was able to get, him, get himself up there was great, finished P13 in the end, Alfa Romeo bemused, you got to say, by their lack of pace there in 15th and 17th, i think Kimi Raikkonen mumbled something about, you know, maybe the the, the regulation change, which would refer to the, the ban on the flexi-wing which came into this event, or not really the ban, but the te- technical directive saying that they're going to be a bit more stringent with how they assess um, the rigidity of a rear wing, so that meant that anyone who was using a flexi re-wing would have had to stiffen them right up uh, for this race, and Alpha was one of those teams that were using it up until now, so yeah, perhaps they've been caught out um, with that, so that's why they weren't really on the pace, and yeah, that, that's that's the French race, and really, all I can say is, for the first time since 2013, Red Bull has won three races on the bounce. Also, first time that Mercedes has lost three races on the bounce, or hasn't won three races in a row, so, you know, and of course 2013, the last time Red Bull won the championship, so a lot of people will be, you know, licking their lips, rubbing their hands, whatever they're doing, putting on their lucky socks, um, to hope that that becomes a reality, (laughs) <laughs> lost words there, anyway, talking supercars now, Darwin Triple Crown, um, the talking points as always, good to see Chas Mostert, um, renewed his contract there with Walkinshaw and Ready United, so a few main things, I think I mentioned that last week anyway, but, um, one of the talking points out of that was the fact that it basically takes him off the market, you know that there is a, big seat available for next year there at Triple Eight with Jamie Wincup vacating. All the talk out of Red Bull, I guess, is that um they'll probably be leaning towards a younger driver to fill that seat next to Shane Van Gisbergen. And, and good on him for pursuing that path, you know, because, you know, they've got so much talent there that hasn't had a chance and, you know, you've got the obvious one, which is Brock Feeney, who'll be doing the wild card this year at Bathurst with Russell Ingall. So yeah, it'll be good to see that, but Mostert renewed his contract on a multi-year deal with Walkinshaw, and is rewarded with a race win in race 12, so that was great from P8, a bit of drama early on in that race there with Anton Di Pasquale, the pulse it wiped out by both the Team 18 cars, sadly, they had a messy weekend, um, did Team 18, which I'll get to a bit later, but also Shane Van Gisbergen he took over the lead of that race, and then had a pit stop drama at the, the left rear, so the, the wheel nut was stuck, and don't worry, they, it didn't take 43 hours to get it off like they did with Valtry Bottas, but yeah, they um, eventually got off, got it off, it was a 30 second pit stop or whatever, and he was able to get back to a respectable position with Shane, but then it basically allowed Chaz to inherit the lead by 12 seconds, Um, Cameron Waters came in, finished behind him in second, Nick Percat third, although did have a bit of a question mark over him about um, a tyre pressure investigation. Um, alleged breach of minimum tyre pressures or whatever from, from Brad Jones Racing, but they were clear to that and um, they were allowed to keep the podium that day, probably the the only highlight for Brad Jones Racing as well that weekend, they had a bit of a shocker too, like I think they did last year as well, I don't know, it just seems Darwin's a bit of a bogey track for Brad Jones Racing, usually it's, it's the, the intra-team cars that kind of get involved with each other there, but um, no, that wasn't the case, this time um chaz ultimately was the round winner as well i think he had fourth and fifth in the races on sunday so and as well as the win so he scored the round points or he had the most round points overall for waters unfortunately it didn't really get any better than that across the weekend i think we didn't really see him feature I can't even remember the results for, for for where Waters finished, they just weren't there, so, and interesting to hear as well that um, uh, Tim Edwards, the team principal, has decided to, or has come out and said that he has the option for... Um, or he has control over the options over Cam Waters and Jack LeBrock's contracts for next year, so, you know, whether that means that he's going to retain them, it's probably likely because they are the two top drivers there for that team, Um, no news on James Courtney yet whether he'll stay, but we do know that Tickford will have four cars next year with Thomas Randall stepping up, and he, at the moment, is the only confirmed driver for for Tickford next year, so there we go, and I think, yeah, Randall did a good job this weekend as well in the wildcard car. Um, Moving over to Sunday then, Will Davison on pole twice, Shane Van Giesbergen beats Will Davison twice, (laughs) that's basically it, he was really quick with his starts, Davison... Seemed like he bogged it or whatever. He, he initially he got a good start, but just couldn't get it done into turn one. Poses the question: Can the djr cars race at all? Because you know Anton is either wiped out by um, other teams' cars or is making his own mistakes, as we saw in race fourteen. He stalled in the pits and then ran wide into turn one a couple of laps later. Um, it's so sad because this guy's got so much raw talent, and everyone thinks he will be a superstar of the future. But at the same time, it's you just have to caution um, patience and say, look, you know, this is his first year with the team, it's his first team in an operation like this, first year with an operation like this, and whether the departure of Penske as well, which I don't really hear a lot of people talk about, has impacted the way DJR operates from the inside as well, um, even though they've got the same personnel there, whether there's an attitude change or whatever, it will be interesting to see, so yeah, I don't really expect DJR to feature in the championship this year, but they should still be able to achieve race wins, and Davison, he's a proven entity, you know, he's a two-time Bathurst winner, he's won many races, he may have been a championship bridesmaid, I personally don't see him being a champion, um, unless, you know, he can work out (laughs) consistency and all that, I don't mean to sound so harsh, but yeah, you know, in that team I see Anton as kind of the future or whatever, so them getting beaten twice there by Shane was just like, ugh, but, um, you know, I guess it is the week of the Red Bull resistance, anyway, um, yeah, it was sad to see Anton make those mistakes, he did throw away a um, a good result, but good on Shane for, for coming through, winning, really just kind of solidifying his position at the top of the championship there, ahead of Win Cup, um, I don't know if the cap is closed or not, but it doesn't seem like it after those two wins, Even if Chaz did score the overall round win with the points. And going back to what I was saying earlier about Team 18 and even Brad Jones racing, it was kind of, I felt like it was more of a negative weekend for a lot of the teams than, you know, it was a good weekend. So, Team 18, as I mentioned, um, Scott Pye and Mark Winterbottom were involved with the first corner incident with Di Pasquale in the first race of the weekend, Um, they both dropped to the back, and winner bottom, actually, Frosty started from the front row, and he thought a win was on there, you know, and he hasn't yet scored a podium for Team 18 either, which makes things even worse, and I'm always secretly hoping that that can happen, because I do have a soft spot for Frosty, and cheered him on to the 2015 Championship, and Bathurst in 2013 as well, but just for whatever reason, bad luck, you know, like they're quick, but they just can't get it done. You know, he's had a pole position before too. And this venue last year we I think we saw Pi score a couple of podiums as well. So not the cleanest weekend at all for him. Poor Todd Hazelwood there at BJR with the Pizza Hut car, cool livery, you know, they they commentators kind of bagging him out saying oh he's the fastest pizza delivery guy in in Australia at the moment but I think that's kind of cool having having Pizza Hut sponsor a um a, a race car and have the Pizza Hut logos all over it um, but yeah he he was involved in that first corner melee too and then later on in the weekend I think he what happened I think he got turned around by David Reynolds in the last race and Reynolds ended up taking a penalty and had a shocker, and Kelly Grove Racing in general just couldn't finish higher than 15th, and this is the team that the last round that we had at the Bend, which feels like an eternity ago, um, had a pole position and a win there for Andre Heimgartner, so just complete change of fortune, didn't didn't look the same as they did um, previously, but that's just supercars, you know, it takes a lot to be hella consistent in this category, and it's kind of exciting in that way but then also the tale of woe kind of feels really kind of gut-wrenching especially when you've got a lot of your favorite drivers involved in that and you know I'm not upset or angry at them it's just more so I feel sad with them that you know and I feel their frustration because they want to get the results and we want to see the good results as fans anyway enough of that (laughs) Uh, I think Townsville's on in couple of weeks' time, so nice break to to recharge and um, reset, also no idea what this latest outbreak of COVID there in New South Wales, and thank you Super Spreader bringing it back to Melbourne, um, means for rounds that are coming up, so of course we've got the Sydney Super Night coming up in August two months away, and we were supposed to have the rescheduled date for Winton coming in between as well, so I don't see anything stopping Winton happening, apart from another serious outbreak, and that would be, you know, at the end of next month anyway, so we'll just have to wait and see, and yeah, just, it sucks, you know, basically, it sucks. All right, gonna wrap it up then with, uh, Preview for the Steering Grand Prix. So I didn't mention the points before, but it's 12 points in the lead for Max at the moment in the driver's standings, 37 for Red Bull over Mercedes. Coming to their home track as well, which will be an exciting feeling. The Red Bull ring um, never having led the championship. So it was a poor year for them last year, of course, in both races that we had, but in 2018 and 19, Max won. It's gonna rain this weekend. A lot of people are excited about that. It did rain last year during qualifying. We saw Lewis Hamilton pull out one of the all-time greatest laps to get pole positions, So you never know. It's a short lap, so it's very the margins are very small to get wrong. But also, if you get it right, it can be quite rewarding. And what Red Bull have in their favor at the moment as well is that both cars are in the mix, they can use those strategy options to outfox Mercedes, so, you know, it will be good to see if we can consistently, consistently see Checo up there, I have no doubt from what we've seen, that's two podiums and two races for him now, and for Mercedes, who don't have that raw speed to rely on now, they're going to have to rely more on strategy, is there gonna be any changes within the team? I don't think so, because they've been so good for so long. But whether the strategists change, you know, their strategies basically, you know, try and try something aggressive, try, you know, to out fox Red Bull basically, do play their game that they've been playing for years um, the pressure coming on Valtteri Bottas for the rear gunner role, you know, does he not care anymore, is is what I think, and if I was in that position, I'd just be like, hey, screw you, <laughs> I ain't taking orders from you, so I'll do what I want, <laughs> um, that also might end up, uh, leading him to get sacked from the team a bit earlier than, than required, and, you know, if he wants to win, win a couple more races before he leaves Mercedes, I'd, I'd try and keep him happy, but anyway, yeah, the pressure on him is going to keep growing, he's a cool character, like, as in he's composed and won't get too flustered about it with the media, but it's, it's just going to keep coming at him, so I don't know what's going to happen, um, it'll be interesting to see, I reckon, because we saw them so strong, Red Bull, uh, the last couple of years, because, you know, another point was that we came to this track last year as their first race, following testing, and Red Bull, typically, up until this year, hadn't started strong their seasons, but in previous years, they kind of come here in the middle of the season, or, you know, the first third, and by then, Red Bull have their groove, so, I really don't see um, any change, I think Red Bull could easily win these two races, and you think, you know, with the triple header, three races back to back, whoever comes out of this strongest will be title favourite, you think, even though I think we can't really judge until we get to that second half of the season and see how things go, because there's still many races to come, many things to go wrong, and many races for Hamilton, for example, as he has done in the past, just take points away, you know, win like four in a row, and then it's all over Red Rover, so we'll wait and see what happens, but yeah, I think if it's going to be a rainy race, that'll be interesting. Max, we've already seen him win in wet conditions this year there in in Imola, so I really can't go beyond Max. I really want to see what Mercedes can do as well, because it would not be nice if it just ended up being a Red Bull walk over this season, look at me, look at how demanding I am, this is how I want the championship to be, it's got to have this, it's got to have that, it's got to have a few more podiums for Lando too, I think as well, and hopefully, um, He can emulate what he did last year and get a podium here, because he did in the first race, which was actually the Austrian Grand Prix, but McLaren were quick here on both weekends last year, the power circuit should help him a lot more, given that they've got the Mercedes powertrain now, um, over especially the likes of Ferrari and Alpine there are some high speed corners there that might hurt the likes of ferrari but you know we should see alpine up there and and hopefully alfatari as well who've been quite quick so yeah i think should be a good weekend i always love coming to the austria austria track the red bull ring there should be fans there as well and i'm sure the fans there in um in in france was was exciting to see too for for the fans so yeah, that's about it. And um, I think that that wraps this one up. Quick shout out, of course. Um, it was a bit of a trifecta for Honda over the weekend there because you had Max winning in the Red Bull Honda. You had Alex Palou winning the IndyCar there at Road America in a Honda. And also, Mark Marquez. Yes, Mark Marquez won, believe it or not, um, at the Saxon Ring. And that in itself is an amazing comeback story given that he had that broken humorous last year, he spent all this time on the sidelines, he didn't look 100% when he made his comeback this year, but given that this is a circuit that, you know, has more left-hand corners than right, there was only like three right-hand corners there at the Saxon ring, the pressure was less, and if anywhere Marquez was going to win, it was going to be where he's the king, the king of the ring, yeah, the Saxon ring, and that's like 11 years now in a row that he's dominated, and how lucky was it that last year that didn't even go to the Saxon ring because of COVID, so, you know, he's undefeated at the Saxon ring, so that was good, really just nice to see, even though Marquez, everyone got sick of his dominating and everything, I think, you know, it was just nice to see him, that comeback story, and for him to win, so yeah, we're really happy about that, good to see the bikes there at Assen this weekend as well for the Dutch TT, and quickly before I go off and um, probably get some shut-eye, exciting to see that the Yas Marina circuit there in Abu Dhabi is going to be making some changes aimed at improving overtaking, so of course they're targeting that big hairpin there um, at turn seven, they're taking away the chicane and widening it, um, taking away some of the sharp corners there at turns 11, 12, 13, 14, and then just making corners there at 17, 18, 19, 20 a bit wider too, so, you know, Abu Dhabi, I've got a soft spot for it because I've been there, it's, it's, it's great, the experience was great, but it doesn't really lend itself to some great racing, but who knows, these changes will be in place by the end of this year, so, Hopefully that helps them have a race like we did in France this year, so we won't be bagging it as being one of the worst races on the grid. That's about it. That's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We'll be back next week, of course, to wrap up the Styrian GP and also look ahead to the Austrian GP, which won't be a carbon copy. As we learnt from the double headers last year. Anyway, thanks guys. Take care. Don't be a COVID super spreader. And yeah, that's about it. Cheers.